0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. People today are still struggling with a the sin they've committed years ago and they have no idea how to move on past it or how any good can come from that sin. Well, I'm going to show you today the story of redemption and how God redeemed David, a man after God's own heart. And David fell into some deep sin. But yet David asked forgiveness, repented of that sin, turned to God, and God redeemed David. And if God can redeem David, God can redeem you. So today's passage is David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. So we're going to read that now. Starting in verse one. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel. And they ravished the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. That he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am pregnant. This is the story of David and Bathsheba, David's biggest downfall, and how God is going to redeem David. If you would, bow with me and pray. Dear Lord, just please open our eyes, open our hearts to receiving your word tonight. Teach us something new that we don't know tonight and for us to apply that to our lives. Please help us to rally around each other as the body of believers in the church to encourage one another. To know that if we fall short, we have you and others around us that are going to support us and bring us back up. And that you redeem our sins if we ask forgiveness and repent and turn back to you, Lord. You're so gracious and you're so good. Please help us to see that tonight. We know you're here tonight, because it says in the Bible, when two or more are gathered in your name, you're in the midst of them, and you're in the midst of us tonight. Show your Holy Spirit present tonight. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So before we start tonight, I want to give you some background knowledge on David. That way this story makes a little bit more sense to you. So David, as an early teenager, was a shepherd boy. He wasn't much worse in society compared to society standards. One day, God told Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. I want you to find the next king of Israel. He said, when you see this king, you'll know which one it is. So Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. And while he's there, he says, hey Jesse, can you show me your sons? Because God told me one of your sons is the next king of Israel. So Jesse presents seven sons to Samuel. And Samuel goes through each son. And he goes, no, that's not it. I'm not throwing anything from the Lord for you, you're not it. And he goes to all of them. He's like, he's like Jesse, none of these are it. He goes, do you have any more sons? And Jesse said, well, I have one son. He's a shepherd boy. He's young. Um, you probably don't want him, but I can bring him out. And Samuel goes, yeah, bring him out here. Bring him out. So David, which is the shepherd boy, comes out. And immediately Samuel says, yes, that's the Lord's anointed. That's the one God has told me is going to be king of Israel. At this point, David is a teenager, very young. But as you know, later on, David does incredible things. And the reason God chose David is because David was a man after God's own heart. David was striving to live out God in all areas of his life. He was striving in relationship with God. And God said, I can use that person to do mighty things for my kingdom. And then David goes on to defeat Goliath. Uh, And Goliath nine feet something tall defeats Goliath, and then brings great glory to the country of Israel. And in Israel, he goes on later, and David wins multiple battles and is continually just triumphing over uh, his enemies. And so Israel has become a glorified nation, probably politically, probably socially, and probably also economically. So Israel right now is thriving. David is doing incredible things. But my first point tonight is, when you're at your highest point, you're also at your most vulnerable. Because David thought, I have it all together. He said, I have the kingdom. God's blessed me with women. I have multiple wives. He was, I have everything I could possibly need. So David thinks, I have it all. And newsflash for you guys today, if you think you have it all, if you think because you're the boss of your company, or you think because I'm succeeding in so-and-so area of my life, you're never perfect. Jesus is the only one perfect. And so you can never be Fully there, You can never be to your full potential because you're never going to be perfect. It's always that strive for perfection. You can always improve. You can always get better. And David misses this. He thinks, I've kind of gotten there. I'm already as good as I can get. And that's exactly when laziness smacks David. And laziness leads to sin. And you may say, how does laziness lead to sin? Because when you're lazy, you get complacent. You may say, I'm a Christian for 40 years. I've been going to church. I've been reading the Bible. I come on Sunday nights. I'm kind of good. Like, I've gotten to the point I know the whole Bible. Well, again, you're growing constantly in Christ. You can never fully be there. You're never going to fully see all of Christ until you get to heaven. And so while we're on earth, we're called to fully continue to grow and to continue in sanctification. And David misses this and gets lazy and gets complacent with what he has. And because David is lazy, one day you'll see in verse 2, it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. Then he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. David has all this free time, so he's like, well, I might as well walk on the roof. During this time period, David is the commander of, and of his army. Just like our president today is uh, in charge of the country and he's also in charge of the army. David is the king of Israel and also in charge of the army. Now, back in this time period, David was called to go out in battle with his troops. He was supposed to be out there in battle with his troops. But David says, You know, we're winning all these battles. I have the best kingdom. We're good. I don't need to go to battle. So David sends Joab to do his dirty work. He says, Joab can do it. Like. I'm good. We're going to win the battle, no problem. So David gets lazy, and with all this free time, he just starts walking on his roof, just kind of having a relaxing day. And the king's house is probably the tallest building in the palace. So David's walking out on the king's house. He can see out all the buildings in the kingdom. See out how many great things Israel's accomplished during David's time period. So David's probably thinking, wow, I'm kind of the stuff. I have all of this. Israel's thriving. I'm not, I'm not out of battle. Joab's doing my dirty work. This is nice. But then, like I said, he gets lazy, takes his eyes off of the Lord, and he sees a woman bathing on her roof. And you may say, that's kind of strange. Why would somebody be bathing on their roof? Well, back in this culture, they didn't have running water. They didn't have showers. They didn't have sinks. Probably the only source of water was from a well. And you don't want to jump in a well because you're probably not going to come back out. And so what they did was they put buckets or troughs on their roof. And when, the, when it rained, rainwater would catch in these troughs and they would bathe on their roof. So this is a very common practice. So it probably wasn't just Bathsheba. Probably other people were also bathing at this time. But David specifically sees this one woman and he points her out. And then, this is where David makes his biggest error. Because David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said... Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So Bathsheba is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Uriah is one of the soldiers in David's army. He's out in battle where David should be. But instead, David decided to be lazy and stay at home. And so he finds out this woman's married. So at this point, David has a decision. He can say, okay, she's married. I'm going to leave her alone. She's not mine. Or he can say, let's find out some more about this woman. So that's exactly what David does. He goes, he inquires about her. And then he brings her to his house. And this is my first point of tonight. Do not set yourself up to fail. Put yourself in situations in life to succeed, not in situations to fail. So say you're an alcoholic for 40 years, and all of a sudden you've gotten clean. And you've been clean for five years. It's probably not smart for you to go to get together with your friends where there's alcohol present. Although you may not go into that temptation, you're putting yourself in temptation. And human nature is pretty strong, and so you're more than likely going to fall into that temptation. So put yourself in areas in life to succeed. Don't put yourself in situations where you're likely to mess up. So David puts himself in a situation with this Bathsheba one-on-one. Remember, this woman's married to Uriah, one of the soldiers. And because of that, David starts talking to her, and then he lays with her and commits adultery. So that one little sin of just kind of lusting after Bathsheba has now led to adultery. And that's my next point is, one small sin, unrepented, leads to greater sin. David thinks it's not wrong just to lust after Bathsheba. Lust is not too bad. And because he doesn't repent of that sin... That lust turns into calling Bathsheba to his house, and that turns into now adulterous affairs with Bathsheba. Because that one little small sin, unrepented, starts growing and growing. Just like a little anaconda. Anacondas suffocate their prey, they wrap around them and suffocate their prey. The same is true with sin. If you leave your sins in life unrepented, it's like putting a baby anaconda on your ankle. And the longer you leave that sin unrepented, The anaconda grows. And now it's around your legs. Now it's around your waist and your stomach. And now it's around your neck. And it's suffocating the life out of you. Because your life is involved around that sin. And your life is just a big ball of keep falling into more and more sin. Because you left that small sin unrepentant. And one one story I want to share with you guys today is a man named Alexander Hamilton. He's on a $10 bill. And this man has a very similar story to David. And Alexander Hamilton and David have two different approaches to how they handle the situation. And I'm going to show you how Alexander Hamilton handles it, then I'm going to show you how David handles it. Alexander Hamilton, in 1775, fought in the Revolutionary War. In 1777, he was a lieutenant colonel later in New York. He was part of the Continental Congress, and in 1787, he was a New York delegate. And George Washington, the very first president of the United States, elected him the very first Secretary of Treasury. And so this guy had fame, had wealth, and he had popularity. He kind of had it all. And so Alexander Hamilton thought, "Hey, I'm good. I'm at my highest point. Again, you're never going to be at your highest point because only Jesus is perfect." And so one day. Alexander Hamilton's wife comes in and says, Hey, I'm taking a vacation with our son. Why don't you come with us? And he says, No, I'm, I'm caught up in work. I'm too busy. I'm just going to stay at home. So he stays at home. And then a woman by the name of Maria comes to his house after his wife and kid have already left for vacation and says, Hey, I need help. I'm in financial trouble. Can you help me out? And Hamilton says... Well, I'm busy tonight, but tomorrow I can do it. So he reschedules for tomorrow at her house. Now, how dumb is that? He puts himself in a situation to fail. He's one-on-one with a woman he's not married to, and he's married to another woman. That's not smart. He puts himself right in temptation. And then when he goes to her house, the woman calls him to her bedroom. And then after they talk for a little while, he ends up committing adultery with this woman. And then... After that, the woman's husband finds out, and he blackmails Hamilton. Each month, Hamilton's sending this guy money because he wants to cover up the sin. He's the one he doesn't want anybody to know about it. So he wants to cover it up. He doesn't want his wife to find out. So he's sending this guy money every single month. Well, all of a sudden, one day, everybody finds out he's committed adultery. And his reputation's ruined. Everybody kind of thinks that Hamilton is untrustworthy, unreliable. And because of that, Hamilton falls into depression. And then, years later, he's in a duel with Aaron Burr. And historians will tell you that he thought that duel was kind of a joke and didn't take it seriously. So when the duel happened, he shot his gun up in the air. And Aaron Burr shot him in the chest. Well, I'm here to tell you that that guilt and that shame from that sin, because he never repented, because he never asked forgiveness from God, he, he carried that guilt and that shame his entire life and he was so depressed he could not handle it no more so during that duel he shot upwards knowing Aaron Burr would shoot him and kill him because he wanted to die. He thought dying would be better than to carry that guilt and shame because he had no idea how to handle it. Well, I'm going to tell you today how David explains to us how you handle guilt and shame from past failures in your life and how God redeems. And so, we're going to look For three things on how God redeems your sins. Number one, you first must admit that you have a problem. You must admit that you've sinned. And in chapter 12, Nathan, one of David's friends, comes up to him and says, David, can I tell you a story? So at this point, David has fallen into a lot of sin. And before this, David, this is the shocking part here, he doesn't just commit adultery. He takes it a step further. He wants to cover up his sins just like Hamilton. So because he wants to cover up, our, cover up his sins, just like a lot of us in here, we want to cover up our sins. So we commit more sins to cover up that bigger sin. So he calls Uriah from battle. says, Uriah, you've done a great job in battle. Why don't you take some time off? Why don't you rest? Why don't you lay with your wife and enjoy some, some wine and some drinks? So Uriah comes back from war. And when Uriah is supposed to go to his house to lay with his wife, he stays outside. And David's like, why are you doing that? Why don't you go inside with your wife? And Uriah says, because my army, my troops are out there fighting in battle. And I'm not going to go and sleep with my wife while they're out there fighting in battle in an open field. So I'm going to sleep in an open field tonight. So this, this man, Uriah, much more honorable than David in the sense. And so David's probably like, well, darn, my plan didn't work. Because he wanted to cover up his sin having a... Board, having a um, adultery with Bathsheba he wanted to look like Uriah had this baby and so Uriah goes back off to battle and then David does the unthinkable he sends a letter with Uriah to give to Joab which is the one commanding the troops and the army and the letter says put Uriah on the front of the fiercest fighting and then retreat from him so he surely dies and Joab does this. And they go into battle, he puts Uriah on the front lines, they start trying to besiege Rabab, and then he retreats from Uriah, and the archers shoot him down, and Uriah dies. And so at this point, David's sin of lust has led to adultery, and now it's led to murder. Because he keeps wanting to cover it up. He doesn't he wasn't to admit he has a problem. He wants to try to solve the problem by committing more sin. And so what happens here, if you want God to redeem your sin, you've got to admit you have a problem first. You have to admit that you sinned. And in chapter 12, Nathan, one of David's friends, confronts David and says, hey, can I tell you a story? And David's like, yeah, sure. He said there was two men, one poor and one that was rich. The rich man had all the sheep, all this cattle, all this land, all this nice stuff, while the poor man only had one little wee sheep. And one day, the rich man and the poor man pass each other on the road. And the rich man needed a sheep for a sacrifice. And instead of taking one of his probably 500 sheep, he takes the sheep from the poor man and kills it. And David goes, that's awful. That's detestable. That guy should die for that. And Nathan goes, that's you. He goes, you're the rich man. He said, you had everything. You had the palace. You had victories. You had all the women you could want. God bless you with multiple wives. And instead, you decide to take Bathsheba, the one woman you didn't have, have adultery with her, and then you killed the only thing she had, which was Uriah. So at this point, David realizes, oh snap, I've messed up. And he falls to his knees, worships God, and repents from that sin. He worships God and repents from that sin, and says, God, I've messed up. Forgive me, Lord, I am sorry. And I'm going to turn around for my actions. I'm going to start living for you again. So that's the first thing. You have to understand when you've committed a sin, you have to be honest with yourself and be honest with God. And after you do that, you have to have faith that God will redeem you even if it's not right now. It may be 25 years down the road. It may be not even in your lifetime. But if you have faith that God will redeem your sin and use your failures and your mistakes for His glory, He will in the future. In, in David's situation, it does not happen right away. David has faith that God will eventually redeem his sin, but it doesn't happen right away. The firstborn son with David and Bathsheba actually dies. And I'll get to that later. But God, because David asked forgiveness and repented of his sin, said, Lord, I've messed up, but I'm going to turn back to you. I'm going to turn away from that sin. I'm, I'm turning back to you because David did that. God later blesses David and Bathsheba with another son named Solomon. And Solomon means peace. Because the peace of God overwhelms you. Because the peace of God takes away any guilt, any shame from past failures. And Solomon ends up writing two books in the Old Testament. He becomes a key figure in the Bible. And even more amazing... 25 or so generations later from that same lineage of David and Bathsheba from that adulterous affair because David asked forgiveness and repented of his sin comes Joseph. And Joseph marries a woman named Mary. And Mary has a child named Jesus which is the son of God. So because of David's sin that he asked forgiveness and turned away from it God redeemed him 25 or so generations later by sending His Son, Jesus, through the lineage of David. So from that mistake came the best present of all time. And the last thing I want you to realize is that when God redeems your sin, consequences can still remain. The punishment of all sin is death. And like I said earlier, the firstborn son of David and Bathsheba died because of the sin. But here's the hope. Because Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, He paid the penalty for all sins. So no matter what sin you've committed or will commit in the future, Jesus has already paid the penalty, which is death, for that sin. But just because the penalty is gone, consequences still remain. And consequences still follow you. One of the best examples I ever heard was grace is not a trampoline. Grace is a safety net. What that means, you can't say, oh, I'm just going to keep on sinning. God's going to give me grace. When you do that, God sends judgment. Because if you sin and do the same sin tomorrow and the same sin next week and the same sin the next day, have you truly repented? I don't think so. Repentance means I'm turning away from that sin. So if you're just continuously following the same sin, that's not true repentance. So don't expect to be redeemed from that sin if you're doing the same sin over and over. Because grace is not a trampoline, You can't just keep on sinning and say, oh, God's going to redeem me. Because that's when judgment comes upon you. And in this situation here, although God redeemed David's sin, there were still consequences for his actions. The firstborn son died, but not just that. He put an evil upon the house of David to where two of David's sons get into conflict later on. And one of his sons has sex with somebody he's not supposed to. And the other son gets mad at that and kills The brother. So, evil happened and consequences happened because of David's sin. And because of that, um, Israel also kind of lost a lot of trust in David. But David had faith that in the end, good will come out of sin. And it did, leading to Jesus. But consequences still follow your actions. So you don't have a free pass just to keep on sinning. Now, one thing I want to leave you with today is one of the biggest problems in society today is the church. And I'm going to explain why the church is a problem related perfectly to this passage. Because the church, it says in the Bible, if you want true healing from your sins, confess your sins to God, have faith He's going to eventually redeem those sins and He's going to forgive you, but also confess your sins to one another. Because when you confess your sins to one another, the church, the church body, is supposed to rally around you and encourage you, support you, and help you through your struggle. But our church today is so um, stuck in this mindset of church is only on Sunday. We come together, we worship, and we praise God on Sunday, and then we leave the church and live totally separate lives. That's not the church. The church is 24-7. And that's the problem with today's society, is we need to change the church. The church body itself is supposed to rally around believers when they're struggling. When somebody's struggling with sins, they should be able to come to the church and say, Hey, I've messed up in this area. Just like with Nathan, Dave was able to talk to Nathan about his struggle, and Nathan gave him guidance on what to do. The church should be able to give people guidance on what to do, but not just judge them. Also, give them love, give them encouragement, and support their brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is 24-7. It doesn't just happen in this room. It happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. When we leave this church, we're called to still pray and encourage and support one another when we go through hard times. Because that guilt and shame we hold from our past sins are like holding bricks. And the longer we hold on to them, and the more we don't know what to do, it weighs us down. And the bricks get heavier and heavier until that guilt and shame is controlling our lives. And like Hamilton, he couldn't handle it no more. He said, I can't handle this guilt and shame. But there's hope for you today. Because if God can redeem David, God can redeem you. And if you put your trust in God, ask forgiveness of your sins, repent of them, turn away. And then have the church rally around you to support you in your walk. That's how you have true repentance and how you truly turn away from your failures and how glory comes in the end. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook.